You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background. A weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Welcome once again to another edition of Business News Background. I'm James Lush from Lush Digital Media. With us today, we have uh, Head of Content, Mark Pownell, and uh, a new kid on the block, Saskia Pickles, one of the uh, feature writers uh, that's going to talk about an article in the paper coming out on Monday. Morning to you both. Morning. Good morning. Um, let's start with a look at the stories as we always do uh, from this week. Let's start with Rio. And um, amongst all the stuff that uh, has been going on, I suppose, over the last 12 months, which has very, very much been sort of cost cutting and sort of looking at how we can maximise profits, they've turned up with some pretty healthy looking figures, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, so Rio is, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's not a Perth based company, but it's got an awful lot of its assets here. It's very iron ore focused and, uh, and it's run by Sam Walsh, who was uh, until literally a year, year and a half ago, was was a Perth based executive and he still shows up pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, they've put out, uh, they've doubled their profits. Um, they've um, they've uh, basically said they've saved $3 billion um, out of the, out of costs, and I think this is the story in the background that that has it's been creeping there, but they've really they bit hard quite early and went yeah. in and started cutting costs and possibly did it in a, a more consistent way than their rival BHP, which came in a bit later, and we've seen a bit we've seen a lot more news around BHP. So Rio got in there pretty smartly, um, pulled pulled costs out of it. Um, and you know again, remembering that Sam Walsh came out of the car industry very much about, you know, yes. um, the, the way a factory operates, you yeah. just keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking yeah. costs down, and, and that's that's how he's well, tried to do it. Do you think that's the reason why those profits aren't so healthy? It's purely because of cost cutting? That's pretty That's pretty much the main, the main strength mm. of it. I mean, the prices haven't been great. They've held up to a certain extent, but it hasn't been as bad as some people say, but definitely it's, it's seen as... Cost, yeah. cost drive is the key bit. And look, there's big talk now that they'll, they'll be able to um, pr- return some capital to shareholders, which is something that I think the market was kind of expecting that yeah. might be another yeah. year away or so. Yeah. So it's sort of like this brings forward some, uh, some strong points. Good. Another story, um, Matilda Bay. Yeah, look, I think uh, if you're in Perth or you've visited Perth and you've done that trip between the city of Perth and Fremantle, you'd, you'd know the Matilda Bay brewing site. Um, it's the old Ford factory, actually, uh, and in the 80s, the guys, um, well, a bunch of pretty innovative guys set up the Matilda Bay Brewing Company. Yeah. probably remember they started some pubs down in Frio and then they set up a proper brewery right there at that at that factory site. It's a wonderful site. It looks over the Leighton Marshalling Yards, Railway Yards and Leighton Beach and it's pretty prime territory. Uh, it's sold this week for $36 million wow. uh, and it's a Chinese group that have bought it. Mm. So I'm presuming, and I don't have a great deal of detail, it's early days, but I'm presuming they're planning to do something um, along the residential front, yes. you'd imagine so, mm. even though it's industrial land. Um, it's really that that whole place is going through a transition. Yes. Um, we've seen some building down on the beach there at Leighton and Port, yes. and we've got um, the marshalling yards, which you know I'm not quite sure what's happening there. They're obviously not needed anymore. Yeah, yeah. So you know it could be one of those places where we might see the kind of development which you know Cottesloe 
doesn't want it really, but we're going to see it. But maybe but this, could, it this could be our, you but know, yeah, this could be but our little mini be Gold as well Coast. Because the number of times you drive past that area and you think, what a mess, what a waste. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a shame. And look, it's also got that public transport, um, yeah, that, the, the infrastructure and everything. So it makes a heap of sense yeah. to do something there where you're not obstructing any views. You, yeah. you can, it's 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 almost virgin land to an extent, which is rare. Absolutely. These days. Yeah. And one other story from the week, the gold royalties story. Yeah, so we've had diggers and dealers in Kalgoorlie this week and uh, plenty of bits of news out of that. Um, but they've the, the gold industry have been working away for a year or so to um, basically ca- launch a campaign this, this week, uh, an official campaign against um, a proposed change in royalties. Uh, I guess I can't say it's a proposed change. The government said it was going to review... Um, gold royalties. I think they pay about two and a half percent on on what they earn yeah. from from the sale of uh, gold, and the government has suggested five percent would be more sensible. Um, I think that's pretty much in line with the iron ore producers. In fact, I think iron ore might even pay a bit more. Um, but uh, the the gold industry is saying, hey, hang on, you know, despite what is a relatively high gold price, it's still really tough times in the industry. Um, you know, we employ lots of people. Gold mining's different than iron ore. It's tougher. It's harder. You know, we keep Kalgoorlie alive. If you put this royalty up, in effect, you'll put people out of business. So, you know, they're low margin businesses, some of these mines, and I guess a, a two and a half percent on your on your revenue on yes. is quite quite a lot. So, you know, I, I can see where they're coming from, but of course, you know, it's a it's a self interest campaign too. Sure is interesting stories. And look, James, I mean, I gather uh, I'm going to turn the tables here. I gather you've got some news as well. It's nice to make news yourself sometimes, <laughs> isn't it? I'm, I'm always on the other end of always receiving sort of the question, uh, sorry, uh, t- asking the questions. Now it's going to be the other way around. Yeah, well, I'm going to enjoy this bit. So, yeah, yeah. so tell me, you've uh, you've you've got a whole bunch of news actually. You've got new, new, and new, new branding, new place, and new and new people. Well, we. We went from Lush TV to, to Lush Digital Media for, for the simple reason that a lot of people always knew us for, for a lot of productions that we were doing in the video space, but yep. they, they didn't recognise that there was so much more to the mix, which was including the likes of working on strategy, working on the likes of uh, photography, video, audio, all that which comes into the content mix. But then this distribution part, which is a really critical part, as you'll know, you know, it's effectively the most important part. How do you get it out to your audience? Yep. There's no point having lovely looking stuff if no one's going to see it. So we've really sort of grasped the the, 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 the the sort of the stake here and put it in the ground and say we are now hopefully going to be regarded as the biggest content marketing producers in WA because we're journalistically trained. It is mm-hmm. our instinct. We understand the world of stories. Brand journalism is the, is the hot phrase at the moment. And because we understand newsrooms, we understand stories, we understand how audiences have to have their needs met, yep. we're pretty confident that that's what we're going to be able to do. And so we brought in key players, Paul Plowman, as you probably know, who used to be former sort of media advisor to the Premier, also former uh, CEO of Helen Knowlton, big agency uh, worldwide. His sort of PR and, and, and sort of media mindset will just add to that mix. Yep. And so together, he's come on as... He's come on as CEO. So I've yep. recognised that, you know, uh, we all have limitations and I recognise to take the business to the next level, you've got to bring in sort of expertise where it's needed. Yeah. And um, I'll sort of very much do this sort of the floating sort of chairman, uh, sort of founder, director role and, and go and see all the people we need to see. But it's a lot of education at the moment. Companies recognise that they are... As well, as well as making widgets, they are also publishers. Yes. We now have the ability to publish like we've never had before. 
Most companies are great at making widgets, they're not necessarily good at publishing. And that's where we hopefully can sort of say, right, we need to work on the strategy. Why are we doing it? What's your aim? What are you trying to achieve? Then what does it look like? What content are we producing? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a written blog. It could be video, it could be audio, it could be photography. But then, as I say, how are we going to get it out there? And you've gone and invested in a studio? Well, we've put a TV studio in. We've got a radio studio in our new place in Lord Street. And that, again, adds to the mix. We've made it big enough so that we can grow and we'll have people in there who are sort of related to with us, sort of create a media hub. So there's lots of expertise in there. So lots of cross-fertilization, which I think, again, in this media space is exactly where it needs to be because it's changing so rapidly. It's dynamic at the moment. Mm. Well, look, I, I agree that everyone's a publisher and, I, you know, and you can sense that digital change. And I mean, I think even from our perspective, we've seen so many new businesses that yeah. we're looking at are really in that digital space. So it has to be. You know, it, I always say to companies that we're working with, if you don't start filling this space, your competitors will. Yeah, and and that could be, you know, quite costly. Too right. Well, anyway, we're in the pub, we're in the publishing business too, so we watch all this with a great deal of interest. <laughs> Good stuff. Let, let, let's look at next week's paper because um, the paper obviously comes out on Monday. It's a big feature on innovation. We were just talking about innovation and changes in technology in particular. And uh, Saskia Pickles, you put a big article together on this subject, innovation, and uh, the interest from stockbrokers. They're, they're kind of turning their, away, their attention away from mining, perhaps, and looking at other sexier topics, would you say? Uh, yeah, well, we looked at biotech and uh, digital technologies in particular, and we found that there's a lot of interest in WA for stockbrokers in that area. So four years ago, biotech in particular was non-existent. People weren't interested in it, and uh, now... What we're hearing is that people are very interested. They want to invest their money in it, and they see it similar to, you know, the next great serious resources. You could have a giant exploration win. Yes. So with biotech, if you had a medical innovation that um, was commercialized and everyone was using it, that would that would be a huge return. And the same with digital finance in particular. So what we heard was that banks are having their lunch their lunches cut uh, by companies who are coming up with digital solutions to peer-to-peer lending or um, uh, different applications that people can use. And and the reason is they have a lot more focus on customer service and using digital technology, whereas banks are primarily focused on regulations and they have a lot of things they need to go through. So um, part part of what we looked at is that interest in, in investors um, not just high net worths and, and retail investors, but there's a lot of institutional money behind uh, digital innovations in particular. That's where the big institutional money is. Um, but we also learned that uh, there's some issues with capital, uh, capital raising for biotech in particular. So um, one of the things we heard was Perth's only biotech-focused venture capital fund, UA Capital, is no longer taking on any new clients starting from next year. They'll just be managing the clients they have. So if you're a Perth-based biotech and you want to and you want to get some early seed fu- uh, fundraising, it's going to be increasingly difficult. Why is that? Uh, why are they the only biotech no, what, focused? Why is it? Why is it becoming so hard? Uh, well, it's a really long road, especially for biotech. If you yeah. want, if you need to go through human trials, it takes a really long time oh, right, to go right. through all the so processes. So the investors are wanting quicker returns. Exactly, and uh, and um, the problem with. Uh, not having enough seed funding is the government has also in its recent federal budget scrapped two of the most two of the largest industry innovation funds uh commercialization australia and the iif uh so they've they are, they will be replacing that with another fund but what that means is there was a lot of businesses um that could have applied for that that will now have to go through a different process and there will be less money in the new fund 
very interesting. Look, it's a, I reckon this is one of those fascinating areas. We often see, um, first of all, it's cyclical, you know, mining's a bit off, so we'll yeah, go yeah, into go something else. And, yeah. and I think there's a there's a body of uh, investment bankers and brokers and the like here that, you know, that's their job. They're just good at finding new things and yep. they're not going to get stopped by the fact that mining slowed down. They're, they're a machine in their own right. This often gets, um, biotech in particular, often gets compared to mining. You know, you've got um, long lead times, you've got to go and explore and mm-hmm. find. There's mm-hmm. high risk that, you know, that, that you'll never find anything or get anywhere. Um, then again, other people suggest that drawing that kind of um, comparison with mining is, is sort of stretching it a bit because biotech often takes a lot longer. The thing um, is that, I mean, I, I think there is a similarity. A lot of people would expect that... Uh a lot of people with, uh, with with the biotech side, of the, in particular, recognise that you could perhaps have something incredible for I don't know a year or two. The big companies in the world see what they're doing, and then before you've even done anything, yep. have snapped you up. Yeah, so you can yeah. get that quick return. And actually, that is a difference between this industry actually, because the huge um, pharma groups actually do watch the small guys and they keep tabs on them and they, yeah. and they often yeah, invest yeah. seed capital and they and, and so they're ready and you, it looks like they're gobbling everything up yeah. but in fact it's it's synergistic whereas in mining it's not quite the no, same exactly. most of the guys that go to set up a small mining company are looking to become a big mining company yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and when they get gobbled up it's usually an aggressive takeover yes, or like that's later right. on, you know or they're desperate yeah. and they've got to do something yeah. so there is some differences there I wonder if there isn't more opportunity yeah. for that kind of the big guys to look at the little guys in yeah. a different way in mining but it's a different industry, that's for sure. Interesting. That story I'm um, out on Monday when the paper comes out. Saskia, thank you for that. Let's uh, look at a, a couple of other features that are going to be in the paper next week, just very briefly. First of all, Water West. Um, we've all heard of uh, Water Corp. Mm. Uh, Mark Pano, what is Water West? Well, you know, it, it's the same sort of thing. It's a utility. It's a private utility, um, and we're and and water is unusual. You know, it, it's it's in fact the Water Corp here is, I'm pretty sure, the biggest company entity buy assets in the state right, right. it right. just because yeah, it owns yeah, yeah. you know so much land and so much infrastructure and dams and everything um, so uh, but but it's 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 a government utility and um, the it, and it isn't everywhere and it's got to do things increasingly it's got to get its pound of flesh out of anything new and that includes when someone does a new development out in the stick somewhere water corp comes along it's got to get its money back for it so what's happened is brookfield uh, a large uh, infrastructure group and azure capital um, a small a local boutique investment bank have backed a group called water west and they're going to try and offer an alternative and i think it's particularly around new developments but it could also be out in regional areas where you need some other solutions where you know the the dam or the uh or the the Cell plant doesn't quite reach, and it's also the opposite side of that's sewerage solutions and everything. And the really interesting thing about this company is it came out of a of a, a, a land group, land development group called Port Pivard, which um, had a, uh, a, a development called Point Grey down there, south of Mandurah, poking into the inlet from the from the eastern side. It was very much a long way away from the infrastructure, and they wanted to do a fancy land development there, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't get the water to get there or the, the services cheaply so they decided to get their own utility 
and they've basically sold this uh, utility off yeah. and it's got the rights to operate and these guys are going to make something of it. It's not the first thing you'd think of when setting up a company. Let's do a, let's do a water company. No, it isn't. It <laughs> isn't. But, you know, they've got new technology. There's, yeah. there's lots of things you can do. And if you can if you can do a land development, sign up, and you're going to do the water for 20 years, yeah. that's, a, that's a nice steady income stream and a lot of companies is. look for that. Of course it is. And just finally, one other story, this, this land development um, in Carolup, which is sort of uh, sort of Rockingham way, isn't it? That, that was yeah. being talked about as being a, a, an accommodator of 20,000, 30,000 people or so. That's right. It was going to be a big land development down there. The Southern Corridor hasn't developed as quickly as the North because yeah. it's got a lot of um, issues around, yeah. uh, you know, water and things like that. And in fact, Carolup has, I think for most people driving past, the, 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 um, the highway goes past there, the freeway extension goes past it. But Lake Amarillo, I think, might be kind of like the, the thing that people might yes. know of. Yes. And that sits just in the, the northwest corner of this development area. Anyway, a few years ago, the government said, we're going to do this development. Um, we need it for the housing in the area. We'll push ahead. And as a result, you know, it's a lot of other things did or didn't happen um, because this land was going forward. So yeah. other developers said, oh, well, we won't develop there because these guys are going to be doing that. And, and of course, some other people said, well, let's buy some land or we won't move until this is developed. Um, it was going to be housing. It was going to be some industrial estate and everything. Anyway, for some reason, we're not quite sure why, it seems like the government has shelved this plan. Right. So it's basically uh, Murray Cowper down there is a, the local member, and he is part of the government, I might add, has been complaining about sort of a, a bureaucratic stop on this development. Um, and it's basically having this, this follow-on effect, uh, flow-on effect um, of now suddenly a whole bunch of businesses that were looking towards the new space there, now I've got to go and find somewhere else, yeah. and developers that have been putting stuff on hold now think, oh, crikey, we need yes. to get moving. So it's really uh, you know causing a bit of angst in the area um, and maybe just holding up development down that corridor. Very interesting. You can read more about that on Monday as well when the paper comes out. Saskia, thank you so much for joining us. Mark as well, thank you very Pleasure. much. Um, the next edition of Business News Background will be out same time next week. Hope you have a wonderful week and don't forget the paper comes out on Monday from me, James Lush, Lush Digital Media. Until next time. You've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background, brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. For more information, go to the website businessnews.com.au.